but tonight we're going to be doing, a, a, we're continuing a study in a sense of the Holy Spirit. And if you have never heard of the Holy Spirit or you're unaware of who the Holy Spirit is, uh, it, he's, he's a person and he's found all throughout the Bible. And so we're going to uh, go through a passage today together. You're going to go through at your tables. And then we're going to do something where you're going to make observations and you're going to ask questions. Okay? So everyone say observations, observations. and questions. Okay, here's a big no-no. Okay, say no-no. No-no is no-no on interpretations. Okay? So one of the biggest things that, that I, I see young people doing is they, they interpret the Bible based on their understanding. And so they take the Bible and they, and you, we, something we have to realize about the Bible is it's God's word. It, it, it's alive and active. It's true. It's right. It's God breathed. Every word is, was inspired by God himself from page one all the way to the end, however many pages your Bible has. And, but one thing that we have to realize when we're reading it is context is important, right? Like context of what we're reading is extremely important. You can't just like, you know, you've heard those stories of people that like go like this, they go, okay, God, speak to me today. Okay. And then, and then they read it. This one is, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. You know what I mean? Like, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me, you know? And, and so many people, but we, what you got to realize is you have to do a few things with context. You have to take what you're reading in the context in light of the entirety of Scripture. So you can't just take it and learn the, the, the context of the book you're reading. You have, to, you have to view it in light of God's whole redemptive story that he's writing from Adam and Eve all the way through Revelation. So you can't just pick and choose. And then the next thing we do is we look at the context of the book that you're reading. So you look at who wrote it. Now, you may not know all that. And I'm going to give you a resource that you're going to be able to use that's going to blow your mind. Okay? So you may not know. So you got to look at who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, and who they wrote it to. So when you start doing that, you start to get the context or the reason why it was written. And once you start realizing the reason why it was written, you don't need to interpret what it means. It starts to actually come alive. And when the word comes alive, it starts to change you. But if you're always worried about your inter interpretation about scripture, all you're ever doing is deceiving yourself. And you think you're right because it's the Bible, but you're actually wrong because you're not actually reading what God intended you to read when you read that Bible. Does that make sense? So there's two things, the context of the whole scripture and then context of the book that you're reading. So are you guys ready for this? Okay, get your phones out. Get your phones out. Get your phones out. Get your phones out. Okay, this amazing, amazing, am like... It used to be, back in the day, in order to learn the context of a book of the Bible, you had to read a book that was like 400 pages long, right? And how many people can, like, can read? Okay, I know most of you can read. But how many of you were like me, that in high school you never read one book? Spark notes, baby. Heck yeah. You never read, I never read one book in high school. So we only to read a book of 400 pages so that I can read a, another book? No way. You know what I mean? Now I would do that because I love God and I want to serve him. But there's these people who like have this resource. It's called the Bible Project. Okay? It's called the Bible Project. So you go to the Bible Project. It's on YouTube. And it gives you the entire context of the book that you're going to read. 
So you don't have to read a 400-page book. You have to listen to a nine-minute video. And they have pictures and animation, and it's amazing. So you can actually, so when you go, like, for example, we're going to read Galatians tonight. So you can, if you have your Bibles, your phones, you can actually turn to Galatians. It's, that's a book in the New Testament. It was a book written by a, a man named Paul, who was an apostle, which basically means he was a, he was a leader in the, in, the, in the church right after Jesus rose from the dead. So he was a leader in the church, and he wrote this letter, and the Gal- Galatians is a letter that was written to a multitude of churches in the region of Galatia. So it's not just a, it, it, so it's a very specific book written to a specific church or group of churches that were dealing with an issue, okay? The issue was there was a bunch of Jewish people uh, who were Christians that were uh, confusing and that were actually restricting the freedom of some of the Gentile or non-Jewish Christians in their region. So the Jewish people, like, there's a whole bunch. Circumcision was like a big deal to the Jews. It was like a, it was a, it was a sign that God gave to Abraham in Genesis to set them apart. Anyway, you don't need to know all that for now, but basically, like, circumcision was a big deal to the Jews, like a big deal. And God, with Jesus, when Jesus came, he basically was like, hey, yo, like, y'all don't need to get circumcised anymore. And all the adult men were like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? And, uh, and so he says, you don't need to be circumcised anymore in order to be considered righteous. So the Jewish people, they had to be circumcised to be considered righteous. Now God's like, no more, no, no more of that, okay? And, but then these Jewish leaders who were Christians actually started to wiggle their way into the Christian church, and they started to tell everyone through manipulation and control that in order to be righteous, meaning in order to have a right relationship with God and go to heaven, in order to be connected to God, you had to be circumcised. And so they started spreading this false teaching all throughout Galatia, and all of the Christians started to become deceived. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians, and he's like, so angry. Like, he's like, yo, this is not cool. So you, now we pick up in this letter, and we start to see what he's telling these Galatian people. And so one of the main things, one of the main themes throughout the book of Galatians is living by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So that's where we pick up as we're going to read Galatians 5, okay? Galatians 5. So remember... We, we view scripture in light of the entire Bible, the entire redemptive story that God wrote from Genesis to, to, to Revelation, and then we look at the, the kind of like the, the other context of who was writing it, why were they writing it, when were they writing it, and that gives us even a clearer picture of what God was actually saying through his people when they wrote the Bible. Is this okay? So what's the, what's the, what's the resource you need to look up? The Bible Project. And you'll be like, whoa, this is amazing. And, and scripture will start to come alive to you because you'll read Leviticus and you'll be like, this makes sense. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be like, what the heck? Because some of it is just contextual and you got to know the culture. And so that 13 through 26 with your table, you're going to make some observations and you're going to ask some questions and you're not going to 
interpret. <laughs> That's not your job, okay? That's not your job to interpret what this is meaning, okay? So I gave you a little bit of context. Now there's much more context that you could dive into, but for now that should be enough. And I want you to make some observations in light of this theme that we're in, which is the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God and how we're supposed to live on a daily basis. So ready? Dive into it, make some observations, uh, ask some questions, and then we'll come back. So this is how we're going to go about this. If you were here a few weeks ago, we're going to go around and we're going to uh, do some observations and we're going to ask some questions. I'm going to warn you, though, that you're just going to get a microphone. Who did this for me last time? Dylan? Dylan, do you want to do it again for me? Um, what I'm going to warn you, though, is last time some of y'all gave me some interpretations. And if I hear an interpretation, I'm going to call you out. No, it's not, the, it's not to call you out to, to shame you, it's, to, it's, it's actually a teaching moment. So, not to like scare you, but no one's going to be like, I'm not sharing anymore, no, I'm not going to share at all, you know. But no, I, it, I'll do it gently, I promise you. Um, so, any observations or questions about this passage, Galatians 5, 13 through 26? Yes. All right, so, is it on? Cool. All right, so we always talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but you never hear anybody in, like, our faith talk about the poisons, the sins, the sexual sins, the immorality. Okay. You always hear everybody talking about the fruits of the Spirit. So that's my observation. 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 People like to talk about the fruits more than they like to talk about the sin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone else. Someone else. Any observations? Any questions about this passage? Any questions about this passage? You got it. You got it. You got one? Oh, one second. We got one back here, and then we'll go to you next. Uh, go, Nate. Actually, kind of building off of that, um, I kind of started noticing uh, almost patterns between the fruits of the Spirit and the acts of the flesh. Okay. Uh, when Paul writes about um, the fruits of the Spirit, um, he's you know, naming things, love, joy, peace, um, both the acts of the flesh. He almost lists opposites of them, uh, hmm. like love could be... Uh, the opposite could be like sexual immorality um, or faithfulness and idolatry, uh, goodness and fits of rage and things like that. Interesting. So what I would classify that as, Nate, that's a great observation. I would classify that as a, a observation that would need deeper study. Does that make sense? So it, it, when, you make, when, you see, when you start to see a connection like that, because God wants to teach you something, like the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about. He wants to actually show you. So now your job is not to be like, oh, sweet observation, God, that's good. It's like, no, he's like, no, search it out more, right? There's more there that you could actually search out on your own. Great. Sherry, right here. I like that observation, though, Nate. Love it. Um, we, we were talking about how the, <clears throat> the list of the fleshly desires is way longer than what was mentioned here than um, the fruits of the Spirit. So the flesh, so the lists, that, so this is a great observation, okay? Not the other ones weren't great. But a, a teaching moment is observation is literally something that, like, you're observing. It's just like a, an observation. Sometimes we've been so trained to, like, like, think critically about the Bible that we can't actually just simply list an observation. One of the greatest things that you could ever do is list observations, and then God will actually use those observations, and that's how he'll, like, generate applications later on. 
Sorry to like, that's a great observation. Did you get that down? Listen, since it's longer than fruits. Okay. Anyone else? Obs- questions? Any questions? Any questions? Or we can do some more observations if you want. I'm just saying we don't have any questions yet. Hello? Okay. Um, I guess this is a question. Uh, what does it look like to put to death the, the sins of the flesh? And what does it look like, or how do you go about walking in the spirit? Ooh, that, that's a good question. So how do you put to death the works of the flesh? How do you live by the spirit? When you figure that out, one, can you come let me know? Okay. <laughs> Just like tell me. Okay. And then maybe like write a book about it or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we got another one. Uh, ob- sorry, an observation we had at our table is verse thirteen that it. I don't know. It says, "You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh." So we kind of sort of talked about like you are free, yes, but that does not mean do whatever the heck you want. That's slightly interpretation. I'm sorry. I would say that's slightly an application. It's it's based on an observation, though, so you just took it a step further. So you're okay. You're not in trouble. (laughs) Don't worry. Oh, we have another baby in the room. Yay, baby. Are you guys tired? (laughs) Go for it. Um, This is a question that it might be a hard one. Uh, when it says um, the flesh, uh, acts of the flesh are obvious, and it talks about jealousy, hatred, selfish ambition, when does it become sin? Is it when it's acted upon or when it's first felt? When does it become a sin? Because I know a lot of us go through life feeling certain things, but we don't act on them. So that's my question is when does it become a sin against God? When does sin become sin? Is it an act or a thought? That's a interesting question. Anyone else? Melanie. Jalen, don't worry, I got you next. Okay, we're going to go Melanie, and then we're going to go Jalen, and then we're going to be done. Sorry. Just an observation I have is just verbatim, verse 14. This is the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh. So it says the whole law is love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting. You know how many laws are in the law? <laughs> A lot. What's the exact number? I, I always like mix it up. 613, 613 laws, all of them summed up in love your neighbor. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? The Good Samaritan story, go look that one up. Your neighbor's the, the person you least likely want to love. <laughs> It's like the person you hate, it's like, yep, that's, the na- that's your neighbor. And you're like, Jesus, why couldn't you just say it was like my best friend? Like, why couldn't my neighbor be my best friend? So who's your neighbor? Any Republicans in the room? Your neighbor's a Democrat. 
Any Democrats, your neighbor is the Republican. serious. Jalen, you're up. Ooh, verse 14. The whole law summed up in love. Interesting. You can, you can sit down, Bobby. Thank you. Give it up for Bobby. Bobby and Dylan. Give it up for Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, Dylan. Hey, Bobby and Leigh are getting married soon. Hey. And Zach and Emily are getting married soon. 23, 23 days. 23 days. Anyone else getting married? You're not. You're not getting married. Okay. Well, the other person doesn't know yet, right? <laughs> All right. Is it Dylan's birthday today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Happy birthday, man. So let's look at these. So observations. Remember, this is just a good, this is a good practice. So when, you, when we're reading the Bible, what do we do first? We look at it. So if you don't know the whole contextual redemptive story of the Bible, you get to start that journey. And the Bible Project is a great resource to help you learn about the Bible and about God and about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit and about your role in God's story. And... So as you look at the whole redemptive story, as you look at the context of this, of this Jew-Gentile conflict within, uh, within this, you can start to see like this love, right? This love observation that you have. Like, can you, do you understand why Paul is writing this now? Like he's not just writing it, oh yeah, love your neighbor, like the whole law. He's saying, no, yo, Jewish leaders, the ones who are trying to circumcise these, these adult men, like, that's messed up to begin. Anyway, so, so like, these dudes, listen, the whole law, so the law that you're trying to force on other people, the rules and regulations that Jesus doesn't really care about, that you're forcing on other people, all those laws can be summed up in this one thing, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you see how the context actually breathes life? Into it's not just love your neighbor, it's here's this conflict between Gentile and Jew, between non-Jew and Jew, and he's saying, No, love each other as you love yourself. You see that? So, anyway, you see, we see that talk more, uh, talk about fruit of the uh, fruit more than sin. So the acts of the flesh, you know, that, that that plays into this sin and fruit tend to be opposites. List of sins along in the fruits, great observations. Um, how do you kill the flesh and walk by the Spirit? Ooh. How do you kill the flesh? So I'm going to give you, I'm not going to answer it for you, but I'm going to give you another tool to reading the Bible, okay? So the Bible is this great, like God, how many of you know like God's way smarter than us? Like God was like, when he wrote the Bible, when he, when he was telling and, and leading people to read the Bible, he, was, he didn't like finish it and be like, boom, done. Jesus. Dude, we, we left out that one part. Like, we should have told him to do that. Like, it is fine. Like, he, nothing's missing. And so when you have a question, don't, like, you can go to Google to help you. But don't go to Google. Like, go back to the word. 
Because the word, the Bible, has this amazing uh, ability to answer its own questions. And so when you're like, what is it? How do you kill the flesh and walk by the Spirit? Start reading. Start reading. Start reading. We'll read, we'll read uh, we may get to it later on. One of the ways that, that the one of the ways that I'm just, that's coming off the top of my head right now, if I can pull up my notes, is, uh, is this, one, this one scripture, let me see if I can find it. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 4, so what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It says, so we fix our, my, our eyes, and amplified it, it adds our thoughts. We fix our thoughts not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Amplified says, or a part, not amplified, there's another version that says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen or fleshly, but on what is spiritual. So we get this picture of how to do that. We fix our eyes and our thoughts on the unseen, which is the spiritual things, which are the things that God has laid, laid out. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So how do we do this? How do we live by the Spirit? We have to stop this crazy need that we have for being in control. How do we live by the Spirit? We have to learn to trust God who's invisible even when circumstances seem like they're coming against us. How do we kill the flesh? We need to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. How do we live? How do we overcome the flesh? I can say this from, from personal experience. Stop hiding. So many people are destroyed and are being crushed by their sinful fleshly desires is because they're hiding their sin. Do you know that Jesus went to the cross? He died. He, he took all of your sin upon him. And he says, now I've made you clean. I've washed you. If you will believe in me, that you will have eternal life. It says that the blood is speaking better things about you, meaning that you're washed white as snow. He's not holding your sin against you. And but yet all the while, we're sinning and we're still hiding just like Adam and Eve did. And we're, we're, we're admitting by not owning our, not our sin, but not, not owning our mistakes. We're admitting that we believe that we're still a sinner. In, in, in Romans 6 and through 8, talks all about how you're no longer a sinner, you're a son. You're not a sinner anymore. God, Jesus died so that you would, in, in 2 Corinthians it says, he who became sin, or uh, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Meaning that you're no longer considered, once we follow Jesus, yes, we have a sin issue, but we no longer have a sin identity. That yes, we need to handle our sin and our junk, but God no longer looks at us and says, sinner. He looks at us and says, son or daughter. Does that make sense? And so as we, as we continue to do this, you can start going to different passages. And, and that's why it's so important that you on your own, that if you're not getting in the word on your own, then you're in big trouble. Like big trouble. Like, don't think you can come to a young adult group. Don't think you can come to church on a Sunday morning and think you're okay. You are in big trouble if you are not reading your Bible on your own. Big 
Because guess what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're on this thing, you're on YouTube, you're listening to whatever, watching whatever movies, and all the things of the world are schooling you, and God's not. And he says, follow me, but we follow him, and we say, we follow him like we follow someone on, on Instagram that maybe once in a while their post, their, their post will come on our feed, we'll tap on their story, but no, he says, follow me, deny yourself, everything you have, come and bring it to me and let me speak and lord over it. And the deception of the American church, the deception of, 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 of American Christianity is that you can still keep your life. <laughs> the deception of American church is that you can actually be a Christian and still hold on to your life. And that you can still have pleasure and that you don't, you don't have to sacrifice anything and that there's no commitment and that there's no, there's no sacrifice in it. And Jesus says, if you want to come after me, he says, leave your father and mother. Leave everything you have. Leave everything you hold dear. And that's the only way that you'll find me. <sighs> These, if, you, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, then you have a problem with God because it's in the book. Like, like it's, not, it's not a recreational sport. You know, I used, to play, I used to play beach volleyball. Like, Christianity is not a recreational sport. It's like your life. Like, Jesus gave everything that he was. Like, he literally, God himself, I was standing this at junior high, God himself came and put himself in the belly of a woman. Like, pregnant. Like, big belly. Jesus is in there kicking. Like, Jesus is in there. Like God himself, the one, it says everything was created in him and through him. Everything, Jesus, God created everything, humbled himself to become a man, go in a belly, come, like came out, like Jesus was birthed. Some of you are like, what is wrong with this dude? Listen, I've thought through this, like Jesus was actually birthed, like Jesus had to do all, like, Jesus was a human being, God himself. He laid everything down. He grew up sinless, never made a mistake, never had an impure motive, never cocked off to his parents, never did any of these things that we do, never, never got offended, never held anything, never, never, ever sinned. And then he comes and God sent him as an assignment to lay down his life for humanity so that they might come and actually know God. Because God was not okay with humans not knowing him. The humans were afraid of him. Man, mankind was so afraid of God because, because of, of different situations. And God was like, listen, I want to show them that I'm not a God, a ruler in heaven. I am a father who loves all of my children. But just like any good parent, he just doesn't give them anything he wants. He says, listen, love is that I pour out my love to you, and it's your decision what you do with it. Because love never manipulates, love never controls, love never has false motives. That's, God, that's who God is. And so he comes, lays everything down. Jesus, literally, go and read, like we're talking about the Bible, go read what Jesus went through for yourself. Go to the Bible, read every account of what Jesus had to go through in order to endure your sin. Even the fact that he got whipped and beaten, hung on a cross, nails, like nails and all this stuff, and people spitting in his face. And you can imagine he's on the cross, and, and these guards are looking at him. The guards are like, hey, yo, if you, you say you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, then come down from there. Can you imagine? Like, like, he's like, 
can you imagine, like, I just imagine myself up there, and I'm just like, I'm, sometimes my little brother, when I was younger, my little brothers used to like, egg me on, and you're just, you know, you're stronger than your little brothers, and they cock off, and then just like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to be, because I'm going to get in trouble if I pound my little brother right now, like, so I'm just going to hold off, and then, they, and then they, they can see you, like, they can literally see you, like, boiling, and they're like, if I say this thing, if I just say this, I'm going to make him snap, and so I can imagine, like, you know, I can imagine if I'm up there, I'm like, just say that one more time. Just say that one more time. <laughs> Tell me that I can't do it. I'll show all the haters. You know what I mean? Like, but Jesus, who, who doesn't have this motive in his heart, Jesus doesn't, like he's love. Jesus is love. Like he, he endured the cross for the joy set before him was that all of us mankind, humans alike, laying, this, is, was, this was not his, his picture. His picture was not mankind in heaven. So many people are living for heaven. Jesus, the joy set before Jesus was not you and I in heaven. It was, it was a part of the story, but it's actually men and women actually modeling their life after him and dying and crucifying their flesh and not living for themselves and giving all glory unto God with their lives. That's what Jesus, he was like, can you, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's thinking, can you imagine what it would look like if 150 young adults actually laid down their life so that the world could know God? What would it look like if 150 young adults actually were, were, were living with communion with this Holy Spirit who empowers them to do miracles, to witness, to be a holy, clean place with no compromise in their life? What would it look like if they actually had relationship with God the Father just like I do? That's why I'm going to the cross. I'm not going to the cross so that you can pray a prayer, hope that you go to heaven while you're sinning along the way. Like, he, like the holy, like God, like Jesus came so that we would model our life after him in every way, sacrificing commitment, love above all else, loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Oh my, like this is the good news, and the best news of it all is Jesus raises from the dead, and he goes and sits at the right hand of God, and he says now, he says in John, he says, I'm going to send my spirit he says, it's better that I go, because when I go, my spirit will be in billions of people. <gasps> my spirit, my love, my power, my, everything that I'm living in will be infused in mankind. So it's not just one person who's a son of God. There are many sons of God. And Romans says, the earth is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest, meaning to show themselves as children. Not to show themselves as Christians and churchgoers, but to show themselves the same way Jesus did. Not just in miracles, but in self-sacrificial love that denies my need for the world around me, my family, my friends, my coworkers, everyone. And then I give glory to God. And that when people offend me, I forgive them. When they betray me, I love them. When anything happens, I go, what, you know, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? I look at Jesus and I say, that's my model. 
My parents may have modeled modeled crap. My parents may have been terrible. It doesn't matter because God says, I adopt you, my family. I'm your father. Jesus is your example. No more excuses. Let's run. (laughs) Isn't this like so much better than like the the Christianity of like, like not not that the Christianity, but so much just like, it's just about, no, listen, like Jesus sent his spirit so that you could look just like Jesus. Now you're not Jesus, okay? Some... You're not Jesus, but he, he, he wanted you to be in a relationship with God, your Father, with this thing called Holy, this person called Holy Spirit, so that your whole life would be transformed. It's not Jesus incorporated. It's not like, okay, God, like, what do you want to do in my work today? You know, like, God, okay, God, I have my plans. Like, do you have anything to say about the plans that I have for my life? It's like, okay, God, um, and, and, you know, any way that we justify sin and we justify all the brokenness that we live in, he's saying this in the greatest commandment. He says, listen, all the other stuff, listen, you got to deal with your sin, you got to deal with your brokenness, but he's saying, if you'll just love me <laughs> with your whole heart, mind, and strength, you'll live by the Spirit, as Galatians talks about. It says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You, you won't live for the world. You won't live for yourself. Because you look to your model Jesus, empowered by God's spirit that's within you, and the game's over. Then when people betray you, people mock you, people hurt you, people say things, I hurt you, the church hurts you, it's like, listen, I'm not here for me, I'm here for him. <sighs> I'm sweating. This whole thing, all this talk, right, this, 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 this beautiful story of the gospel, which is that this, this, the gospel is, is that Jesus died for sinners so that they no longer would be sinners, that they would be children, and that these children would follow after their master, who's Jesus. And we'd follow after him. And here's the deal, dude. Here's the deal, guys. You cannot live your life without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. I can't do it. You cannot. Jesus, everything he did was empowered, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Acts 10, 38. Everything. You and I cannot, cannot live without the Holy Spirit. You can seek wisdom. You can seek knowledge. You can seek understanding. You can seek all the mysteries of the earth. If you do not place a high priority on the Holy Spirit's work in your life, it is all pointless. Because Jesus says, The helper, the teacher, the empowerer will come to you after I leave. So if Jesus is saying this guy's important and he's not important in your life, then you're not following after what Jesus has said. And the church has been, at a large part, been silent about the Holy Spirit. I'm not. This church is not. He's a big deal. And here's what he's going to do in your life. Are you ready for this? Here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life. He's going to deal with a few different things. I wrote it down. I want to be. So the three biggest issues that we deal with as as human beings, the Holy Spirit is here to help you with. He's a relational person who actually grows you as an individual. He doesn't make you perfect right away. He takes you on a journey of relationship with your heavenly father where he changes you over time. But he never works with people who aren't available, and he never works with people who do not want a relationship with God. 
Now, he may be after you, but he will not work with unwilling vessels. He works with vessels that say, God, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. At my workplace, at my job, with my home life, with my phone life, with my thought life, with my friend life, with my weekend life, everything is yours. In every part of my life, I'm following you. So the biggest issues we have, the biggest issue that we have that, that, that hopefully all of you have dealt with is the issue of sin. Is that sin is actually the thing that's separating you from connection with God. And it says in the, it says in the Bible, it says in the Corinthians that, 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 the God, that the devil is actually blinding unbelievers, blinding people from the truth so that they won't see. And what he's blinding them of is the severity and the condition of their sin. He's convincing them that their sin is not that big of a deal. He's convincing them that sin is normal. He's convincing them that God is not real. He's, he's, he's blinding them to see what's so obvious to me and so many other people. He's blinding them by saying that, that saying there's no, like, that to even not even consider what's going to happen after they die. So people are like, no, I just don't even like to think about that. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to like that. I don't even like to think about it. Well, you better think about it because it's a pretty big deal. So the biggest thing God, like one of the biggest things is sin. You have to deal with it. And what the Holy Spirit does, it says he convicts the world in John 16 of sin. And he's saying, your sin has got you in a hole that you cannot dig yourself out of. Now, if you look to Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin so that you could be made right with God. And it says that if we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus, all of our sin will be forgiven and wiped clean. And it says that the Holy Spirit comes in at that point and is a seal of our future salvation. I'm just telling, like, I'm, I know I'm not showing you scripture references. These are all references throughout the New Testament. And, and that's the Holy Spirit's first work. Second thing he's going to do is he's going he's gonna to actually teach you. The biggest pro, second biggest problem is lack of understanding. Most people just don't understand. Holy Spirit's going to teach you. He's our teacher. Third thing is yourself. The biggest, one of the biggest issues you and I have is ourselves. We live for ourselves. We think for ourselves. We work for ourselves. We, we, we do everything for ourselves. And the Holy Spirit's here to say, listen, it's not about you. It's about him. And we cannot live without him. And the last thing that he wants to do and that he's here to do is to make your life supernatural. You and I were never meant to live as a natural human being. We were made to live supernaturally. John 14, 12 says that, G, that Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, you see the things that I've done, all the miracles, walked on water, multiplied the loaves and the fish. He says, you see the things I've done? He says, you'll do even greater things. And then later on in Matthew 28, he says to his disciples, everything that I've taught you, go and teach everyone else. So if Jesus, go with me here, if Jesus taught the disciples that they would do greater things, and then he later told them to teach everyone everything that he taught him, then we can assume that we are actually supposed to do greater things as well because of that train of thought and the truth of the word. 
And so you and I were supposed to live supernaturally. I told this to the high schoolers a few weeks ago. How many of you love superhero movies, like, 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 like Avengers and, and all these things, and even Star Wars and all these two? Listen, the reason, I am convinced that the reason that our culture is obsessed with superheroes is because God has placed a divine need for the supernatural inside of every person. And the world and the entertainment industry is spoiling that for us when in reality, you're supposed to live it. That you're supposed to see lame people walk. You're supposed to see blind people see. You're supposed to see deaf people hear. You're supposed to see demons cast out. You're supposed to see all the things that Jesus has seen. But we are so complacent because of entertainment. So he deals with our sin. He teaches us all things. He, he destroys ourself and he empowers us to live supernaturally. And this is the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And here's the condition of our heart. You see, this teaching, I, I, I think, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm getting riled up right now, but here's the deal. It can never happen if you're not hungry. It can never happen if you're not desperate. It can never happen if you don't get off this dang thing when you're home and you just look at it all day for hours and hours, staying up to 1 a.m. watching YouTube streams, TikTok streams, whatever streams you watch. And you get alone and you say, Holy Spirit, would you transform me? into the same image and likeness that Jesus walked in? And would you take all the crappy stuff that's in my heart that I know and I'm aware of, would you take it and would you make me clean so that when I go out, I can be a person of integrity, so that I can be a person of power, so I can be a person of love? And we get alone, and we get hungry for God, not just up here when we're singing, that's a part of it, but we get hungry when no one's looking. And he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. And I'm convinced that if we'll do this as a group, if we'll do this as a, as a group of people that are following Jesus, and we'll, we'll take seriously our sin, we'll take seriously our, 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 the, the desire for, to seek pleasure for ourselves. if we take seriously our, our desire for truth and understanding in the word, and we, we, we seek out with passion to see miracle signs and wonders, like watch out Grand Rapids. Like watch out your workplaces. Because we'll start seeing testimonies and we'll start, start seeing God move in ways that, that, is, uh, uh, that is un, it's not normal for the Christian. But here's the deal, it's supposed to be normal. Like, when you read this, it's like normal, you know? And so let's just do this as a group, guys. Would you guys just stand up with me as we close? Sorry. Stand up with me as we close here. Uh, we need God's power. We need his spirit. We need him. And it's not a, a riling up message that's going to get us there. It's a condition of our hearts that say, God, we want you. God, we want you. We want relationship. We're not, we're not happy living for ourselves anymore. We're not happy living just the, 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 the mundane, uh, normal, self-driven, self-motivated, put it on my Christian face, like going to church mode. Like it, it really takes an inward desire that God actually moves upon that, that we start to see change in our life. Not change for motivation's sake, but change for the kingdom's sake. Change so that when everyone sees your transformation, they say, what's going on? And you say, I have to tell you what Jesus has done in my life. 
Because I used to live for myself. I used to live for Instagram likes and Snapchat, and Snapchat streaks. I used to live for DMs from cute guys that I saw. I used to, not for me, I'm just saying like maybe if you're a girl. Um, I used to live for, I used to live for all these, I used to live for all these different things. I used to be an athlete and I would, and I would work out so hard because, and then I would go and step on the scale and I would look at my six pack and I would go and I would look at all the dudes around me and I'd be like measuring myself. I see, I used to live for myself, but then I saw Jesus. And I saw a man who did not care for his life, but cared for God and loved God so much and loved the people in his world so much that he gave up everything. And when I saw him, I knew my life had to change. And when people hear your story and about how you're laying your life down for God's kingdom, there's something inside the human race that the only reason we're alive is for God's glory. So when you and I start telling our story of what God's done, people start to come alive. So would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? If you want this, I'm going to ask you to make an inward decision right now in your heart to seek God with everything you have. To seek two things. To seek truth like you've never sought it before. And to seek his spirit like you never have before. You seek his truth through his word and his spirit will confirm it in your hearts and your minds. The world is full of lies. The world is full of lies. We need to seek the truth of God's word and we need to seek the spirit of God so that he can flow and move through our lives like never before. Make that, if that's you and you desire this, make that inward decision right now. Make that inward decision to to passionately pursue truth like never before. If anyone's in this room right now, we talked about the greatest issue that we have, which is sin. And if you have never asked for God to forgive you of your sin, your disconnection, your rebellion, if you've never taken seriously the condition and actions of your life and how they'll play out in eternity, I'm here to tell you that at at that last day when we die, we stand before God himself and we, take, we give an account for the works that we've done on earth. And there is no works that you can do that can undo the wrong that you've done. The only way to stand right before God is to go through Jesus, his son. And this is what Jesus came to do. To live a perfect life as a sacrifice and as a substitute for your brokenness, your sin. And he says, if any one man comes after me, he, all he has to do is believe. Believe that he needs a Savior. Believe that that Savior Jesus died, that he rose again, conquering death, the death that I deserved, and that if I believe in him, I can have eternal life. If that's you, and you need to get that, get that right tonight, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just raise it up if that's you. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep, you guys can put it down. What I'm going to ask from you, the guys that raised your hands, is just to come up and talk to me afterwards. I'd love just to chat with you. 
And I want us all just to pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. There's no way that I in my own strength can undo what I've done. But I believe that Jesus, because he loved me, lived a perfect life as a substitute and died on the cross for my sin. And he raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with God and that I can spend eternity with him. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. And from this day forward, I will follow Jesus with everything that I have. In Jesus' name.